Chapter Three of the Tick and Coat Treasure by William Lequeux. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: The Mysterious Man. Again, the strange, deep voice sounded. It seemed to come from below the small cabin in which we stood. A snarling noise, as though of a man enraged. Neither Seal nor his men liked the situation. I could see by their faces that they were thoroughly scared. They had found gold, it was true, but Below was the owner of it. "'Come on, lads,' urged Dickie Dunn courageously. "'I'm going below to make the acquaintance of the skipper of this aircraft. The way is down that hatchway at the end of the big saloon.' Encouraged by the old seamen, the men moved back into the cabin we had first entered, and, with Dunn, I descended the dark stairs to explore, Seal following close behind us, armed with his revolver. I struck a match, and by its light saw a quantity of ancient arms and armor lying with several skulls and bones. Apparently the men were below when the ship went down, and the hatches, being closed so tightly, neither air nor water reached them so that they had been asphyxiated. The passage led along to a bulkhead, where it took a turn at right angles and ended with a closed door. This seal opened boldly, and we found ourselves in a small cabin, quite light, for the big square window had been broken out, and furnished in the same antique style as the big saloon above. It had an occupant, the strangest-looking creature I ever saw. He was an old man, with long white hair and white beard, a man with a thin, haggard face and black, deep-sunken eyes. On first entering, he escaped our notice, but we saw him crouching beneath the table, hiding from us in terror. His dress, ragged and tattered, was of three centuries ago, short breeches, a doublet of faded crimson velvet, and an old coat with puffed sleeves, while in his hand he carried a rusty poniard and seemed prepared to spring out upon us. I shall never forget the ghastly look of hatred and terror upon the queer old fellow's countenance as he faced us. We all three stood absolutely dumbfounded. It was very interesting to discover a ship lost for three centuries, but to find a survivor still on board was incredible. Yet there was a human being actually in the flesh, a weird old fellow who, for aught we could tell, had lived on board that vessel for ages. "'Come on out, Sonny,' cried Seal, when he found his tongue. "'We won't eat you.' In response, the weird individual gave vent to that same shrill cry of rage that first attracted our attention, brandishing his knife threateningly, but not budging an inch from his hiding place. "'Enough of that, my man,' exclaimed the captain authoritatively. "'Come out and talk like a Christian. What are you bound for, and how many days are you out?' The bloomin' ship's about three hundred years overdue, I should fancy, remarked Dicky Dunn, who was the ship's humorist. Come along, Seal urged persuasively, placing his hands on his knees and bending down to him. Come out of it, old chap, and let's have a yarn. I ain't got any time to spare. But the old fellow only gnashed his gums and brandished his knife, for he appeared to entertain the greatest antipathy towards our skipper. Presently, after some further coaxing, but receiving no word in reply, I succeeded in reassuring him that we meant him no harm, and he came forth from his hiding place, and with a savage grin stood before us. He was tall and gaunt, about six feet in height, and as thin as a lath, but when we came to question him, he steadily refused to answer one single question. 
all the skipper's queries he resented with marked hostility and with me alone he was tractable before long however i discerned the true state of affairs the strange individual whoever he was was dumb and further he was not in his right mind privation and solitude were probably the cause of it but whatever the reason the fact remained that the querile fellow was unable to utter one single intelligible word and he was also not responsible for his actions now and then he burst into peals of laughter grinning hideously with all the characteristic symptoms of the maniac and then he would suddenly strike an attitude as though to attack our skipper fortunately i induced him to put his knife aside for although rusty it was still very sharp by all the means i could think of i endeavoured to extract some word from him but in vain the sounds that escaped him were deep guttural and utterly unintelligible by dumb show i tried to inquire who and what he was but insanity asserted itself for he only gave vent to a demoniacal shriek and cut some absurd capers that caused all of us to laugh heartily i took out my pocket-book and handed it to him together with a pencil but instead of writing as i hoped to induce him he only looked to see what was contained in the pockets of the book and handed it back to me well cried seal this chap beats everything who in the name of fortune can he be he's a mystery i answered utterly puzzled he looks as old as methuselah remarked the skipper he's just as though he walked out of one of them old pictures he's a lunatic ain't he doctor asked dunn most decidedly i responded and judging from the manner he received us he is a rather dangerous one well said seal we better take him on board with us perhaps when he's had a bit of grub and some rest we'll be able to make him out this mystery is a first-class one better than any i've ever read in the books how old is he doctor impossible to tell i replied a good age certainly as old as this ship asked the seaman i think not i responded laughing well we must find out something about him declared seal decisively and what about that chest full of gold sir oh we'll ship that of course answered the skipper it perhaps belongs to him but we may as well hold it till he proves his right to it and he grinned meaningly the ancient mariner had turned and was gazing out through the big open window to where the thrush was lying awaiting our return he seemed quite calm now and no longer resented our intrusion upon his privacy indeed with me he became quite friendly and when i spoke again appeared to make an effort to understand me he pointed to his mouth which only emitted unintelligible sounds that he was insane there was no doubt the strange look in his eyes was sufficient proof of it but i entertained a hope that his mind was only unhinged by privation and solitude and that by careful treatment his mental balance might become restored while we were questioning him the three men we had left above were rummaging the ship one of them it seems managed by the aid of a rope to cross the wave-swept deck to the other cabin in the high bows and with an axe effect an entry his report was that there were a number of skeletons there most of them still in armor together with old-fashioned cannon and he brought back with him a fine banner of purple silk bearing a golden maltese cross below where we stood the waves thundered ever and anon and the heavy rolling told us that the wind was increasing 
we'd better be getting aboard seal remarked anxiously if we don't make a start we shan't be able to ship that there gold you take charge of the old boy doctor what shall we call him eh a mysterious man would be a good name sir suggested dunn all right responded the skipper we'll put him on the papers as old mr mystery go above and get the lads to shift that box of gold be careful with it and mind it don't go to the bottom aye aye sir responded the grey-bearded seaman and he went above shouting to his shipmates to start work on the removal of the treasure he must have made some signal to thorpe on the thrush for a few minutes later we heard the siren blowing while the men in the small cabin were working away with a strong will stowing the gold coins into anything they could find for with such a sea running it was impossible to remove the great chest entire besides which it was heavily bolted to the floor the mysterious man accompanied me above and in silence stood watching the coin being removed sight of it produced no impression upon him whatever his agility and fierce antipathy had given place to apathy as it so often does in certain phases of insanity the old portrait of the thin-faced man in ruffle and doublet caught his eye and he faced it and shook his fist at it as though the original were his enemy then he went through into the main saloon and picking up one of the rusty swords returned and slashed the picture until the canvas hung in its frame in ribbons the two parchments that we had found in the old leather bag were secure in my pocket and the bag was used for transport of part of the treasure while the work of removing the coins was in progress however i seized the opportunity of searching further in the small cabin and discovered in the oak panelling a small cupboard wherein were several big parchment-bound books looking almost like commercial ledgers one of them i opened and found it to be in manuscript in a crabbed hand that i could not decipher but on certain pages were drawn rough plans a second volume proved to be a printed book in latin and a third a rare old book of hours printed by pasquale of venice in fifteen eighty eight i took possession of a half a dozen but the others seemed to me to be of no account one a latin lexicon and another a book in which certain household recipes had been written all were as far as i could judge books written or printed in the first half of the sixteenth century although i knew nothing of the mysteries of paleography or bibliography some of the writing was even and well executed while the other was execrable with long loops and curious dashes and flourishes above certain letters i gave the books i wanted into the hands of one of the sailors who lashed them together and lowered them to the boat after the gold had been safely shipped every moment the gale was increasing so seal thought it fit to send the boat back to the steamer with its precious freight before we proceeded as the gold weighed heavily and he feared that if we went with it we might be swamped through the square window of the big saloon very like the window of an old-fashioned house we watched the boat rise and fall on the long green waves as it toiled toward the steamer we watched one of the men shout through his hands and could see the excitement his news created on board thorpe bent over from the bridge and shouted back while a dozen willing hands were ready to haul up the gold it was half an hour before they returned for us and seal expressed some doubts about the vessel weathering the storm the pitching was terrible and it was impossible to stand without clinging hold of something i occupied the time in searching every nook and crevice in the big saloon 
but i discovered practically nothing save in a cupboard some old pewter over which a collector of such stuff would probably have gone into raptures and an old silver tankard which i took as part of my share of the loot together with a helmet sword and breastplate but at length my search was brought to a conclusion by the boat hailing us from below and we lowered the mysterious man by means of a rope around his waist for he was too decrepit to spring and the sight of his skinny legs dangling over the sea was certainly ludicrous then when we were all clear the men pulled us through the boiling waves back to the steamer and as we looked behind we saw the weird seaweed-covered craft rocking and rolling as though every minute she must heel over End of chapter 3